0: This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins.
1: And he is in Qatar. And so welcome. And uh, I guess, sorry, we're disturbing your lunch, maybe, maybe dinner time because of the time zones. Um, But I know you must be having a ball out there in the World Cup.
0: Yeah, the, the toughest thing is actually managing the time zones. We're eight from Eastern time. We're 11 from Pacific time. The show that we do... Uh, actually, our whole production team's in Los Angeles. So we're waking those guys and girls up at like 5 a.m. to go to work. So we're the ones that kind of feel bad. The hours here are crazy. But um, anybody who's a soccer lover, it, this is this is where you want to be. You know, there's games all day. There's reaction all day afterwards. So um, I'll sleep I'll sleep when we get back for the holidays after the World Cup. Finals on the 18th. Uh, I'll be back, back home on the 19th. I'll sleep then.
1: All right. So nobody's sleeping in America for this afternoon's game. Between England and the U.S., the U.S. came to a draw. They looked really good in the first half of their game against Wales. But in the second half, they seemed very timid. Um, Nobody's really expecting there to be a victory from the U.S. But how do you see the U.S. going forward with good momentum into now with a very important game on Tuesday with Iran?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, right? I I always said when I looked at this group that the game against Wales was the most accessible three points. Uh, Wales to me was the weakest team in the group. And so I'm sure the folks who did watch that game against Wales, they, they know the sense of disappointment they felt. As you said, the US were really good in the first half, but couldn't capitalize. Wales were better in the second half, but the US had that lead. And it's really, I keep going back to this, just such a boneheaded mistake from a very veteran player that sets up the penalty that that Wales eventually scores and dropping those two points is a huge setback for the United States hopes of getting out of this group because had they secured the three points in that first game it allows you to go into the game against England a much better team with kind of a free roll right to use a term like you can just go at England who are vulnerable defensively and throw your haymakers Maybe you have a good day finishing and they have a bad day finishing and you get a win or, or even a draw, which would be a great result. Now with the way things are stacking up, um, I think there was a, a thought that the US would now need to go into this game against England a little bit more conservatively, right? We don't want to get shelled. Plus on top of that, you saw what England did in their opener, um, 6-2 against Iran. The result that just went final, Iran beating Wales 2-0, throws wow. you know kind of a, a hand grenade into this group. Because now, no matter really what happens in the England USA game today, that game against Iran, the third game, is basically for the group. Um, Wales is not mathematically eliminated, but but pretty much, right? Somebody's going to get a point out of the USA Iran game, and that that's probably going to going to do Wales in. They're probably not going to get anything against England in the group finale. So that USA Iran game now is for second place, and the only other ticket remaining out of this group. Um, and 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 I think. Iran is, as they prove today, a very, very good team. They beat Wales 2-0. They deserve to beat Wales. And I think we see that 6-2 against England, and you say, oh, oh, Iran is terrible. Uh, they're from Asia. It's a confederation we don't know much about. So that you kind of like look down on those teams. No, no, no. Look at where these guys on this Iranian team play. They're playing in some of the biggest leagues in the world. Their quality, and you can only imagine the geopolitical motivation that they will have Um, Not just because of their history with the United States, but very much what's happening right now in their country like that team is galvanized uh, in representing, you know, the the people who are struggling back home. So, I mean, on all uh, if you didn't need any more storylines for a USA Iran game. um, Now it's also for like the last ticket out. So that one on Tuesday is going to be great. But of course, um, what the U.S. needs from that very much depends on what happens today against England. And I think even though they're huge dogs the U.S. will very much now like um, their chances to at least do some damage to this English team.
1: So, Sebastian, probably the strangest thing I've seen in all of my years of watching soccer was the amount of time and extra time in the Wales game where I ran 24 total minutes. That's literally a game and almost a second and almost another half. And then in this second game today, they got nine minutes of extra time and scored two goals to get the point what have you had any thoughts about how some of the refereeing is happening it's been i don't know what the word is but it's been odd would, would that be fitting
0: so it's different you're, you're definitely right to notice that it's different fifa has has made a clear objective ahead of this world cup that referees should monitor time wasted and time where the ball is not in play, right? And so Hmm. that's pushing a lot of this extra, we're we're accustomed to at the end of a half, like kind of the standard is anywhere from one to four minutes of added time. Um, Now we're getting like plus eight, plus 10, (laughs) plus 12. I think the other thing that is adding quite a bit to this added time is the fact that there's a, a new focus, both at the FIFA level, but I think generally in sport, on concussions and like head injuries specifically and so what's happening one is whenever there is an actual head injury that stops the game and you've got to bring people on to, to, to monitor the player and those minutes count and they're getting added to on top the other thing is kind of strategic players now know that if they go down with a head injury The referee has to stop the match right if a guy goes down with an ankle injury or any other injury it's at the referee's discretion the referees have now been told hey head injury stop the match so if a guy goes down and it's a head thing let's say there's a there's a free kick into the box the ball is only partially cleared but one of the defenders just goes down and holds his head there's kind of a an onus on the referee to stop the play and therefore stop the attack and defenders are kind of getting smart to that so Um, Some of it is strategy, some of it is kind of FIFA implementing new objectives for the referees. And generally what I would say is I don't mind it because you want to see more soccer if you're a fan. And so this is kind of taking away the the benefit to time wasting. If people are going to time waste, it doesn't really matter because we're going to play those minutes later.
1: Sebastian, in this um, England-USA game, I mean, the the odds, if you look at it from a betting perspective, England is minus 210, USA to win is plus 600. So that might be a long shot for the U.S., but how would you approach this game from a betting pers- perspective? And maybe if you looked at like total goals scored, what, what are your expectations yep. there?
0: Well, let's talk about the line first um, because it is it is like pretty pretty obvious that England are the, are the clear favorites according, according to the odds makers. And the USA at plus 600, you know, whatever. It's Black Friday, <laughs> coming off Thanksgiving, you're at home, you want to have some fun, I actually don't think plus 600 is a terrible value um, for a U.S. fan in this game, right? And here's what I'll tell you. So England's coming off that 6-2, yes. But they had zero wins in their six games before the World Cup. And in fact, they had three losses. And all three of those losses were against teams that aren't even qualified for the World Cup. So England is not this invincible monster that cannot be beaten. And I think the United States has a history against England. Part of that is back when the the ball was brown, right? They they famously beat England at the 1950 World Cup. But at the 2010 World Cup, the U.S. got a draw against England and actually came out of their group first place. They won the group that, that England was in. And all of the questions that have been going to the English players in the lead up to this game have been 2010, 2010, 2010. So I think that there's um, a little bit of, of kind of a negative narrative for the English side as they face off against this U.S. team. And it wouldn't surprise me um, if the U.S. pulls an upset. It would surprise me. I shouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me. It would surprise me. But I think if you're a fan and you're going to watch the game, that money line, that plus 600 could make you really, really enjoy um, a very close game. Let's talk about the goals. I think there will be goals in this game. England as good as they are are vulnerable we saw that even in the opener right they beat iran six to two um, but they shipped two goals against what we now found out is actually a pretty good iranian team so so fair credit mm-hmm. to them um, but on top of that if you look back at england's last seven games they've had only one shutout only one clean sheet and beyond that they've like shipped a number of goals so they conceded two against iran their last game before the world cup they, they shipped three against germany Um, and two games before that against a Hungary team that, again, is not qualified for the World Cup, they conceded four goals. So this English defense is potentially very, very vulnerable. I'm seeing the over 2.5 at minus 105. I like that. If you want to get a little bit more ambitious, the over 3.5 I'm seeing right around like plus 230. I think there will be goals in this game. England's attack, we saw what it did in the first game. They can put it up. Um, the U.S., I think, can find some find some cracks in this English defense. The U.S. has speed, and the one weakness for England is pace, especially in the center of their defense. So I think the matchup is kind of set up there for some goals in this one.
1: Uh, so looking at the greater scheme of the World Cup in terms of the odds, mm-hmm. um, I like Portugal because in a historical perspective, here's mm-hmm. why I follow my logic – is this reminds me a lot of Pele in 70 that I learned about as a kid. Pele's in his final years. People don't necessarily think he has what he's had. He's not the superstar he once Mm -hmm. was. And I look at Cristiano Ronaldo. He gets released from Manchester United. While he's at there, you know, he's he's kind of the old – he's the old man on the team. And sure enough, he plays a factor in their win against Ghana yesterday – I believe that he has a very 70-ish World Cup rejuvenation and that may be what gets him to MLS long-term. Like, If there's the superstar, there's a lot of Pele that I see in this story with Cristiano Mm -hmm. Ronaldo. So am I crazy taking Portugal as kind of a dark horse to come out? I know they got a tough group with Uruguay, I believe, but do you think that Portugal can make a run in the world cup and potentially win it and cristiano ronaldo have this
0: rejuvenation absolutely i mean we just have to look at history right like portugal has showed us that they can win major tournaments go back to 2016 they were not the favorite to win that tournament they were very much a dark horse in the european championships uh, and they end up beating host france in the final and they did it then with a formula that is perfect for tournament football you sit back you defend, and you let your three or four guys up at the top do their thing. And in that tournament, the three or four guys up at the top, which is Cristiano Ronaldo in his prime up until the final where he gets hurt, was good enough, right? was good enough for Portugal. What's interesting about this Portuguese team and why I'm not as high on them as you are, though I see many of the parallels that you're talking about, including the the very realistic potential that Ronaldo could soon end up in Major League Soccer, Mm. is this Portuguese team actually is loaded with attacking talent. But the manager doesn't know how to get the best out of it. He just doesn't know. They're really frustrating to watch. And I know the scoreline yesterday against Ghana uh, may say, hey, like this Portuguese team is for real. Let's put some things in context there. One, Ghana was a disaster coming into this tournament off the field, right? Fights with the federation. There was a lot of tension. I think they were, you know, a a team that I I thought could overcome that. Clearly, they couldn't, right? They, They weren't at their best. But even not being at their best against Portugal, Portugal was not was not ahead in that game until the penalty. And that, for me, was not a penalty. So that's what changes that game. I actually like Uruguay more as a dark horse. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the Beck QL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.